sometimes I get really nervous when I'm pressed record, yeah, but yeah. it's happening. Okay, guys. This is a podcast. No! Uh, but it is. It's called Scary Stories from Camp Roanoke. Um, my name is Katie Wiggins. And I'm Morgan Driscoll. And this is a podcast where we tell each other true scary stories, often using the um, fantastic lexicon of uh, wonderful ghost television, paranormal television that is available to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and today it's my turn to tell a story. Yeah, it is. Uh, and it's only a few days before I head out on my New England road trip, Whoa. so I'm really excited. And I thought, because uh, last episode, it was more Milk Katie and mm-hmm. Saki Morgan, <laughs> that um, that I would do a Stone sober, coffee Katie, mm. extremely terrifying one. Just to sort of make up if you listened Ooh. to the last one and you were like, I slept great after that. <laughs> we'll ruin that now. We can fix that. Yeah. yeah. That was Fantastic. an episode to calm us down after um, the one where you scared me so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was recovering. <laughs> Dope. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I'm here to do it again. Thank God. Yeah. So... I'm going to tell you a story from the fantastic television show Dead Files, which we have, which I've never done before because, literally only because, I could not find the episodes on YouTube. However, I found them on Daily Motion. There you go. Yes. Like jailbroken YouTube. So now I've been able to watch a ton of episodes of them. And they're all really upsetting. None of them are heartwarming. None. None. And um, so you can I can only have them in like small doses almost like these shows. They don't ever make you feel good, Um, but they're very scary and very interesting. And they talk about stuff which other shows like never even vaguely touch on like. um, Well, I I, I'll I'll get into who all the main character and who all the people are in the show, but it's it'll be very scary, and I'm excited. Also, I also found Ghost Brothers, and I was able to watch (gasps) Ghost Brothers. Yes, so if you haven't heard of this, Ghost Brothers is a television show where three best friends who happen to be black uh, investigate paranormal activity. That's why they call it Ghost Brothers. They're not brothers. They're best friends. One of them is a barber. Or, yeah, so they, like, start off every episode by going in and being like, yo, so I got this call. It's in Pittsburgh. Crazy shit's happening. And this guy is literally cutting someone's hair and is like, no shit? Like, and then, and then they all, like, go out. And these guys are everything that the ghost adventures are not. They are Good. sweet, charismatic personable respectful they try so hard to empathize with the spirits and they really emotionally open up they're stylish and they're black they're the exact everything that the ghost adventures are not when you said ghost brothers it sounds like like property brothers like it's gonna be a, a house flipping show which i'm not opposed to we're going to get this house good and scary so that we can sell it to some freaks. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, people yeah. would definitely do that. People, if you advertise it as a haunted house, somebody would want it. Or they're like, someone's trying to sell their house, but it's haunted. So they flip it and get rid of the ghost. I'd watch it. I'm trademarking yeah. that. Also, I think there's a show on Hulu called, like, Ghosts in the Hood. <laughs> I swear to God, it's something like that. And I was like, what? I haven't watched that yet, but I'll definitely well, I'll definitely yeah. give you an overview Please. eventually of Please. Ghosts in the Hood. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ghost Brothers is really fun. And they capture some really interesting stuff. Uh, and they are so genuine and so funny. Like... I love just re- Like, he just, like, slowly pushed open a door and it creaked. And he was like, is that not the creepiest door you ever <laughs> Like, it's just, it's That's funny, so and these good. guys are, like, really cool and people. interesting. And then, like, they'll be talking to some ghost who got, like, fucked over by a lover in, like, in the 1820s. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be like, man, that ever happened to y'all? I know how that feels. Like, shit, it's, like, upset. Like, I get you, like, Melinda or, like, whoever it is. Like, they're trying so hard. Like, they under they there's 
They understand that these spirits are humans. That's so sweet. And then, like, Zach Bagans is like, Melinda, sweetheart? Yeah, he's... Are you... Would you like to so dance with my male figure? Because I know you're desperate for a man. <laughs> so they're a very fun fresh, breath of fresh air. They were great. But that's not who we're going to talk about at all. We're going to talk about Dead Files, which is more upsetting and less charismatic. Well, we'll see. There's some charisma here. All right. So our main, the structure of the show is Steve Deshavi. Retired New York City homicide detective. Oh my god, yes. Works with Amy Allen. I talk to dead people. She's a medium, but she literally only talks about them. Like, she's just like, yeah, there's a dead person. They're dead people. Dead, 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 dead. She never says, like, spirits or shades or anything. Like, she doesn't Mm. use any of that fun terminology. She's just like, I talk to dead people. She also looks like she could be, like, almost like a hairdresser that's, like, a little, like, very pale and always like a different like kind of pinup esque hairstyle. Like it's always dyed mm-hmm. either like flat black or it's like the like dark dark purple or yes. like the dark dark magenta. Maybe some baby bangs. Yes, yes. you know. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So literally every single e- intro to an episode that she does, she has like a different hairstyle. Ooh, that's so that's fun. fun. That it, yes. So that is a fun way that you can chart your progress on the show. Um. So she's a medium. He's a retired New York City homicide detective. He's this like beautiful Italian guy. Oh my God. I just wanted to go up and give him a hug. He's this like big guy, very Italian. I love that. Uh, very New York. Uh, he's um, he's like a big guy, brown hair, like a real, mm, like mm-hmm. got a lot of face to him and I like it. And uh, he looks at everybody with this really incredible, just like, uh-huh. Oh, I uh-huh. like that. Uh, yeah. Really. You know, exactly he, he knows he knows what's up. He knows what's going on. And he's going to find out. Yeah. Okay, it's I can't figure commotion. it out unless you're going to tell me the whole truth. And then he okay? gets to the commotion. I like yeah. it. Hey, you're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart with the story. <laughs> oh. Does he say that? I swear to God, <gasps> he said it. Oh, you're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart with the story. He's perfect. Okay. Oh. What yes. a great episode already. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> Cancel it now. And this is the, the premise of the entire show. There's no ghost. It's just him saying things. I would watch it. I would oh too. God! I have this just like a deep yearning in my soul for these warm, sweet Italians that I never got to be. Like the Italians I'm descended from are sailing people, and uh, they're as harsh and unforgiving as the cold winds at sea. I really would love some great New York Italians, but instead they are Connecticut Italians. Which is different. My coworkers okay. told me that I looked like I was maybe from the north. Because I told The North like the of north America? East. Yeah. Oh. One of my coworkers said, <laughs> You north. looked like you might the have been from Maine. Because I told her my dad's from Maine. And she said, uh-huh. You had that air about you. And I was like, Does that mean I look I'm quiet? Because I don't No, I think it looks like you would pass out in heat. <laughs> I would burn rapidly. She <laughs> yeah. said that like I look like I'm cool. But I don't, like, think I'm cool. And I was like, is that a Northeastern trait? (laughs) She obviously has never been to New England. (laughs) I was, like, talking to my grandparents in Maine, and I was like, what does it mean? No, to be a New Englander is to think you're cool and not be cool. (laughs) I'm so sorry, New Englanders. I'm I'm descended. I can say it. I'm descended. I'm half Yankee. It's all right here. It's okay. Shh. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but you do look like you could be from Maine. Just so you're very white. beautiful and wonderful. And so white, thank you. Yes, you're welcome, and yes, you are. Very My welcome. grandpa taught me a phrase that I want to use for whenever you tell me a story. So, mm-hmm. he told me he was going to tell me a Winnie. What the fuck? And I said, what? My grandma even said, what? And he's like, that's what we call stories. From the past, like when he did this, it's a Winnie. Oh, so Grandpa, you made that up. Tell me a Winnie. <laughs> and I love it with this main accent. It's so good. Okay. <sighs> yeah. So, Weave me a Winnie. cast of characters, Steve DeShavi, and then we've got Amy Allen, <laughs> who talks to dead people. And we also have like a camera guy who I think Amy used to be married to. Oh, yeah, so like huh. 
drama there. Uh, and then he's the one who follows her around. So Aww. these two people do not talk to each other at all during the investigation until the very end. Okay. So her role is to go into the house while all the personal effects, like anything that would give away the history of the home, are taken out of the house. She does a walkthrough just with this other camera guy. So I think just with her ex-husband. Aww. And these can take upwards of like three, four hours. She's wa- like they cut it down significantly in the show. But really, these walkthroughs take a really long time. She's walking through and she's talking about what she's feeling and who's there and what she think happened there. So while this is happening, Steve DeChavi is um, is talking to the actual people who live there. He's talking to genealogists. Okay. He's talking to historians. He's talking to professors. He's investigating what happened for real in the house. And then at the very end, everybody sits down together and they lay out what they got. That's like my These favorite are my clients. thing is when they've yes. got the medium and the history. It's all I've ever mm-hmm. wanted. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Okay. I'm excited. I was thinking of starting with Amy's walkthrough and then mm-hmm. doing Steve's yes. research and then bringing it all together. Because like cutting between them would be kind of weird and confusing. Um, great. So let's, let's begin. I'm excited. With Amy Allen. Wait, so okay. where is this? Do we know? Sure. It is 30 miles outside of Roanoke, Virginia. So this is oh funny. God. I When I chose this and then I heard that, I was like, ooh, this is the story. This is it. So 30 miles north of Roanoke, Virginia, there is a small family. Well, not small. They're- I mean, they're thin people. <laughs> Maybe that's why I said that. Uh, we've got mother, Tisha, husband, Troy, and then I think three sons. Do they all have teenagers? She believes... Maybe. Ugh. I don't know. Ugh. Tom Ugh. Tilbury. <laughs> the Tillsbury Tillboy. <laughs> and Tinkle. Yeah, that's all I can think of. Uh, Thistle. No. So, <laughs> Mother <Ted>? Tisha. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Not Definitely in my not house. Ted. Probably Thistle. So Mother Tisha, and her name is spelled T-Y-S-H-A, but we do not begrudge them because that's Virginia and they can do what they want. Mother Tisha believes that something is attacking her family and making them all terribly sick. So let's find out what is up. Now let me describe the home. It is gigantic and horribly ugly. Ugh! It was built in like the 1800s, early, and um god it looks like someone who's like never built their own house on sims like gave it a try for the first time there's something like uncanny about it like it doesn't look like a real home Mm -hmm. it's like so it it's this massive like plantation ish style home but like it's very blockish like it's very square Mm. there it's like it's not there's no finesse all right I know. I'm. Uh, it's already a terrifying scene. I'm already recreating it in The Sims in my mind. Yeah. I mean, there's like a second level, which is like a jutting out central, just like square, which is like three blatant windows. And it's just like, there's a lot of like open, just like wall space. Like, I don't know. There's no, it, it looks like it was made out of construction paper. Like it's too like, like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't care for that. I hate it. Okay. So they get out. Amy gets out of the car with her ex, and he oh. is. I know. I, so I don't know what his name is. I don't know what his name is. And they seem to have a good relationship now, but I. I don't know. Thistle. But uh, his hair is a little screwed up. He's like balding a little bit. No, okay. He's significant. He's balding. He's balding. It's okay. And uh, but he unfortunately does the thing where you take gel and then you just push it, like mm. you make the hair go like towards your forehead. You like comb it like comb towards over. it. So it's like, mm, but it's like it's not quite a comb over. It's almost like edgy. It's like fling, like it looks like he's putting his fingers like on the side of his head, like towards his temples. Like there's just all these weird little spirals heading towards his forehead. Weird stuff. I found it very distracting. So she first gets there. She says, There's a lot of dead people out here already, just walking around the car. 
The main feelings that permeate this area are sadness and despair and pain. She says, I get that there were a lot of people buried here. Mm. That'll do it. That'll do it every time. Yeah, it tends to. So, uh, she says, I think something bad happened here. She's saying that she just feels a lot of people, that it's very stressful, and that the place is crawling with uh, dead people who have the ability to affect the living and to make them ill. He asks what she thinks people would experience there. She says men's voices arguing and seeing apparition. So they head down to the basement. Mm -hmm. This basement looks horrible. Uh, It's brick, I think exposed brick, or like plastered over brick that's exposed in some areas. Just like this desolate square Mm. room. She says that she sees black men dead lined up on the ground with a a black woman splashing water on their bodies. (gasps) She says that that she feels uh, like the people, the dead there don't want them there at all. Like her Amy and the cameraman like the dead people there want them out she said there are people here that don't like white people and she said she's very ominous in this and she just says I feel like they can do stuff dangerous stuff oh god yeah so very upsetting and what was interesting was before I watched this show and um and they were going to interview this sweet family that's been going through so much stuff white family and they're in Virginia, I was like, hmm, I wonder if these sweet people are racist. But then I was like, oh, that's not ever going to come up in this show. And then it it was immediately like (laughs) the pain of the South is being like brought up in such like a visceral, intense way. And I'm like, oh, we might find out. So (laughs) are they? Oh, wait. So (laughs) (laughs) actually, I'm not. It it never really gets questions, but um, I guess they probably would be like, hey, we're very racist. So, so the ho- the main activity in the big house uh, had was so terrible that they had moved the family that lived there to like a smaller home that they had built like next door to it, and they thought that it would uh, be better there. So now she's in the new house, and she's just thinking all the worst people that were in the old house just came over here. She said she's seen kids. Who jump around that they really attempt to be seen and that they're all over the house then she starts feeling a lot of pain in her head and neck and she gets really weird like kind of cagey and just strange and she's like i'm just feeling a lot of pain oh god right now and she's like there's this woman it's the black woman from the basement She's causing me a lot of pain. And the guy is like, are you afraid of her? And she says, I'm not really allowed to talk about it. And then he's like, what "What do you mean you can't talk about it? And she said, she has a way of preventing me she wants to communicate with the living this the the black woman in the basement right. wants to communicate to the living but amy is white so apparently she doesn't she won't allow her to know what happened there <gasps> oh so she's blocking she's just giving her a lot of pain not showing her what went on there and just emanating hate towards her and Amy is like so weird. It's almost like, have you ever tried to talk without like using a letter? Like I'm going to start a sentence that doesn't have an S in it. And the way that you talk a lot of is very, like it's really hard to, yes, struggle, like it's hard yeah. to, that's sort of how Amy Ooh. feels like she's communicating. Like she's like trying to say that I'm not allowed to talk about what's happening here. That's insane. Yes. She says that she's never felt so much hate, Amy, coming from this woman. Um the woman from the basement says that she's given the adults who live there warnings 
physical abuse as warnings and she's made them feel pain um hitting them things like that amy says there is no redeeming quality for this place she said it should not be anymore period the dead people here don't want this place to exist anymore they're yelling to burn this fucker to the ground Ooh, i got goosebumps oh my god (laughs) so she's moving around still getting things she says there's a lot of black boys young boys like 12 years old and younger she says she sees a school but the black children wouldn't have been taught she thinks a lot of them are buried around here there's a lot of graves and most of them are children's then she sees a man beating up a woman really badly and the dynamic is as if he's extremely wealthy and powerful and she's nothing Then the woman from the basement comes back to her and tells her and shows her children, images of children, and says, this is the only good part of my life. And she just keeps saying, they should learn from history. They should learn from history. The people here should learn from history over and over to Amy. And but she's causing Amy a lot of pain, physical pain. She moves upstairs in the the main house. She goes back to the main house and she says she sees two little white ladies and one has had a lot of dead children and is just telling her in the end, it's all sickness and death. That's all it is. You know, there's nothing to it. In the end, it's just sickness. So it sounds like a horrible place. Oh, God. And it's just horrible to see so many hopeless people. Yeah. She says there's a lot of residual information. And she says she knows that there's been more death here than she's been made aware of because they're showing her images of just, like, the ground just, like, splattered with blood. Oh, Jesus. She says, for whatever reason, all the people that lived here met with darkness and tragedy. She finishes this walkthrough by meeting up with a police sketch artist to have that sketch artist draw what the scene that she saw in the basement but we don't get to see that until the very end reveal. So this is the result of Amy's walkthrough. It's terrifying. So depressing. So depressing and just this hideous pain. But also, she has been really strangely silenced by this woman who is not allowing her to speak for any of the other dead people. Mm. So we'll find out more about that in a bit. In the meantime, let's go to Steve Tshabi. Hell yeah. So he's sitting at the table of the main house. This is a day before Amy comes in and does her walkthrough. And he's sitting with Tisha. And she is this sweet woman who has obviously been through a lot. She's young. I would say she's in her early 30s. Um, Blonde. She's really pretty, but I don't love her eye makeup choices, but... <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, we don't... It's all right. I'm sure she's still maybe a good person. <laughs> Despite that. So, <laughs> so um, she is explaining what has happened to um, Steve. And uh, every, like, few sentences, she's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like, it's okay, very, good. like, southern. <laughs> good. <laughs> it's very sweet. Anyway. Bless her She heart. tells him that the activity in the house had become so outrageous that they had built the modular house, which is sort of like a double wide, even just more than that. Like a, a house that I think comes ready made mm. um, yeah. three years ago uh, because the activity in the house had, had gotten so intense. And some of that activity was she would literally see people, hear noises. She was once laying asleep upstairs and she felt thumbs on her Adam's apple and start to be choked. Uh, They have horrible nightmares. Uh, Nobody sleeps well. And after they she'd moved into that home, she got diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which I once had a biology professor say that it was like a, a... a made-up diagnosis that it just means that you're in chronic pain and they don't really know what's wrong with Mm -hmm. you, but they call it fibromyalgia. I'm not sure if that's true. 
that's just what I heard from a professor. But it basically, it basically means it's, it's, well, whether it's a real diagnosis or not, it means that the person is in chronic, unexplainable pain Mm. and that it's gotten worse and worse since the longer she's lived there. And she has, I think, three kids and two of the boys have autism. So she has got her hands full. I don't know how severe. At the time, she said one has Asperger's, the other has autism. But I think since they filmed that, it has been like Asperger's is no longer a thing. Like, it's just like Asperger's is basically just like on the spectrum of autism. Mm -hmm. So they just call like everything. You're just on the spectrum depending on your severity. Um, So I don't know how severe, but I could guess from the way she described it that one was more severe than the other. Were they born there? In the area, but not in the house, I would say. So, she explains the history of the house. Uh, It was built in 1847, and it's been in her husband's family for a while. Uh, Her husband grew up in the house, and his dad was also scared. He grew up in the house? Uh Uh-huh. That. So, and I love that. So, this whole time she's explaining this, yes, sir, yes, sir, uh, he is just looking with, like, really intense focus, his eyebrows pulled, like, right together. He's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, that's great. Why would he move back to the house if he grew up there and was terrified? Well, so he says, uh, you ever think about just getting out of here? And she's like, well, um... No, sir, because it would be financially impossible and it would just uh, break my heart um, to leave this place, which I don't understand because it seems like it's going to break your heart if you literally stay. You might die. I don't know how much financial sense it makes if you had to bring in another home. (laughs) I'm sure you could have bought an apartment for the same price as labor, driving, building, maintaining a second home on the property. But... What do I know about true, travel Just homes? a mathematician. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. Mm. All right. So, um, so they go down to the basement, mm-hmm. and she says, "This is the worst um place. Um, I have terrible feelings of um dread and sadness and pain. Um, we were told that slaves were kept here." Oh, you're kidding me. No, sir. Um, That wouldn't be a very funny joke, sir. (laughs) I don't joke about that kind of thing, sir. Um, So she, uh, or I've seen a man with um, dark pants just walk across the floor and then he just disappeared. Uh Uh-huh. So how how you feeling right now? I'm feeling nauseated and like I feel like I'm I'm, like sick. I don't like it. Okay. Let's get out of here, huh? Let's get out of here. So he's just like, okay, let's go. So they go on the second floor where Tisha felt herself being strangled. She was also standing at the top of the stairs at one point carrying her one-year-old and she was pushed down the (gasps) stairs. So she holds on to this baby as tight as she can and just falls down, like angles it so she falls onto her back. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Did you get any, any injuries from this? Just, uh, just bruises, sir. Just on my bottom and my back. <laughs> and your, uh, your, your baby was, he was fine. Yes, sir. I just, I just held him as as tight as I could, and, and I just tried to fall on my back. I have had a similar experience. This one time, I was on a swing that was about two feet off the ground with my new puppy, and I was like very gently swinging, just like with my puppy in my lap stupid but i was like nine yeah and then and then like the swing just like flipped upside down like while i was like it just flipped and so i fell backwards but i had the puppy in my hands even though the puppy is probably like would have been way more fine than me so i just like grabbed onto him and just like fell on my back and was just like are you okay Uh, obviously like dogs can fall like he's like a puppy like he's like dogs could tumble down from the ground (laughs) And just get up and toodle along. They're indestructible. But I'm like scratched up like, are you okay? And we fell like 14 inches. It's fine. Same thing. Anyway, (laughs) I understand what Tisha has gone through. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, it just broke my heart. I was like, honey, you've been through so much. I'm so sorry. And I bet nobody would believe you. And you're so isolated out here on this giant, ugly ass house. Woof. 
And I bet right. since he grew up there, he's got this strange connection and pull. And even though they don't want him there, he's kind of tied to it. And I think that might be why they've had so much illness, even like even though the kid not illness, but even though the kids weren't born there, I think that might be tied to stuff. So. They walk into the new house and she's explaining that nothing has gotten better in the new place and that she often feels as if a child is jumping on the bed. That's annoying. Which Amy mentioned that there were kids jumping on the beds around. She says that one of her sons, oh no, her son, one of her son's name is Blaze. It's kind of cool. Blaze! Oh my Jesus Christ. Okay. What? Blaze. You can't go into a job interview and be like, hi, my name's Blaze. I'm Blaze. (laughs) Okay. He can only be in, like, a southern rock band. Yeah. Which I'm sure he might be. Blaze the bass slapper. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm cool with it now. So, okay, all right, we've come full circle, but now we (laughs) like Blaze. I always liked Blaze. Let that be on the record. One of her sons, Blaze, sees a boy often with a white button-up shirt and overalls. Now we meet the husband, Troy. Troy is a sweet... God, it breaks my heart. Oh, oh, he's... I just, I just, I just want to help these people. Very southern fried... Anglo descended white guy, um, kind of a moon face, uh, almost like Dwight if he was like blonde and like really fit and tanned. I see it. Um, if that makes any sense. And he's got like a weird, like, you know, like a chin beard. Is that what mm-hmm. it's called? Like just like a weird beard that like just extends yes. past the chin, but extends for like three inches. And it's like, what's, what are you doing? He's got that. Ugh. I call them goat tuggers because they're like goat beards that you like tug. Oh, God. You're so right. Yes. So he's got one of those. His name's Troy. He's back in the main house with uh, Steve Shavi. So uh, what happened here? Tell me what happened here. So I was stacking drywall up against this wall because we we're uh, replacing the drywall in here. And it's all stacked up, leaning on the wall. And then it just, I saw it just start to shift towards me and it falls on me and pins me to the ground and I'm in extreme pain. So drywall is really, really heavy mm-hmm. and um, terrible. It's the well, worst. Well, the concept itself is not terrible, but it would be terrible to be pinned under drywall. And working with it's not ideal. <laughs> And then he's like, he's like, so there was nothing you c- it could have been about the, the way you had leaned it or, you know. And then he was like, no, sir, I'm a brick mason. I'm very comfortable around construction. Like, I'm around, I'm on construction sites constantly. Like, he's, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. screw around with this and do it in a stupid way. He's also been pushed down the steps. Felt like someone just took their hands and just shoved in the small of his back. And one time in the living room, he was relaxing on a sofa and he sees a large blackish mist start to form. And he's seen that same mist since he was eight or ten years old. (gasps) And then he says that, um, oh, God, people that have had haunting experiences for like a really long time and like a really horrible haunting it's really sad because it feels like the people like look haunted, like they're going through something. It's like that they can't having an talk abuser about. that no one's gonna believe. You're absolutely right. It is like that. But even like, even to talk about it, people have to have, like, it goes against some people's entire belief mm-hmm. systems. So, like, how are they even gonna begin? to empathize with something that they don't even believe is real yeah that's like saying like you were abducted by aliens and so like if you're gonna tell someone you have to tell people that already have the understanding that they believe that that's possible for that to happen to you 
And then on top of that, believe your specific story. And then on top of that, it started when he was a kid. And nobody believes kids. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. That's so sad. He says that he believes that all of their health is deteriorating deteriorating because of the place. And that his wife is in a lot of pain. That's so sad. Um, it's And he's like, you are the first person I've told other than my wife. What's going on here? I'm just like, oh, oh my oh. god! Did he not talk to his heart? The story. <laughs> Did he? I not mean, you can't exactly to... tell his like construction buddies. But what about his like parents when he was a kid? I don't think. I mean, I don't. I, he may have talked about it with his immediate family, but I don't think anyone. Mm, that's so sad. Other than. So he's like, uh huh. Yeah, you never think about moving out of here? And he's like, I, it honestly never even entered my mind. Um, my family's been on this property for so long, and I want to pass this on to my boys. And then Why? he starts crying. Oh. I don't know. I think they're pulling him. They're like, they're, they don't want white people around, but they also want to like have someone pay for what white people have done. I them. think that they want the place destroyed because it has only harbored sickness and death and horrible things, and they just want it gone. But he, like many Southern people, worship their ancestors and have this weird idea that they have to maintain this, like, honor mm. for their ancestors. And, like, but my daddy brought this house and my granddaddy lived on this property and we bought it in the 1930s and have lived there and I have to do right by my ancestors. And it's like, you do right by your ancestors by creating a thriving family, by being happy. Yeah. Like, no, brick and mortar doesn't mean jack shit if you are yeah. killing yourself. Property is an outdated source of it's like how people would identify themselves and their worth was like my land and my house and my property and that's just mm -hmm. not not it there's more important things especially if you're sacrificing so much yeah for land that you can't even feel comfortable being on yes and it's ugly as shit too <laughs> i mean god yeah if this was, like, a nice-ass, gorgeous, like, port-a-code plantation home, like, maybe you'd invest a little more. Like, it'd be, like, maybe tugging at your heartstrings a little more. But Jesus, Lord. It's ugly. Yeah, yeah no thanks. So, he starts crying. And then, and then, um, Deshavi's, like, just looking at him with the same, like, uh-huh. And he's like, I, I'm sorry, I need a minute. And I'm like, baby, <laughs> Southern boys were never taught how to love. They were never given what they need to survive. No, they don't know how to handle emotions. And don't I don't know how to cry. <laughs> don't know how to cry. I was never taught to cry. I grew up on this terrible landscape. Is that a meatloaf where song? Where I'm gonna die. <laughs> Might as well. Oh, I love me love. <laughs> so, so, uh, Deshavi's like, all right, I'm going to find out what the fuck was going on in this place. Mm -hmm. So, he meets up with the genealogist. He says, um, so my client tells me that there may have been uh, slaves on this property at some time. So what's what, the what do you say to that? What's up? Uh, and... The genealogist is like, it was a plantation at one time. They did uh, raise tobacco and they owned many slaves. Um, uh-huh. And so who was the uh, who, who was the, the family that, that would have done that? So the Burks family um, would have lived here. Uh, they were the ones to build the property. And um, he had 60 slaves at, at one point. Jeez. Uh-huh. And how, how, do, how do we know this? Ugh, I love a detective. Uh-huh. How do we know this? So I actually have these documents um, dated to 1855. And in his inventory, he has 60 slaves listed, which is just makes my, oh my skin God. crawl that you could see that in his inventory, like on the same page where it would have said 16 sacks of flour. There was Negro child, age 12, named Monroe. Like, oh, my God. Awful. And yes, they would have been buried on the property. 
So he notices, <laughs> I think he does this in the narration. He's like, looking at the list of slaves, I couldn't help but notice. Many of them had the same last name as the Burks guy who owned the place. Couldn't help but wonder, could they have been his kids, huh? So I'm meeting up. <laughs> so I love him so So much. I'm meeting up with a professor of African-American studies to see what I can find out. So he meets up with this professor woman, Dr. Kelly Dietz, who is white. But that's allowed. Give me the Dietz, Kelly. <laughs> She's got the Dietz. Um, and she says that some of the slaves, he's asking about if some of the slaves have the same last name, if that was indicative of anything. And she said uh, it was likely, and especially when she was looking at the thing, that one of the kids with the same last name was listed as mulatto, which means antiquated term for mixed race. Mm-hmm. And uh, that child had the same last name. And she was like, many kids could have been his, but that one especially, I would think was probably his child and then he's like and he was like "Uh uh-huh and would this have been uh consensual and she was like um no no, not 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 likely no yeah (laughs) she was like um the power dynamic between a slave owner and his slaves is absolute he could have done whatever he wanted and um yeah yes that's dead files (sighs) yuck I was literally watching this shit and I was like, I don't know how the fuck I'm supposed to rant some funny shit in here. This is literally the the worst, worst wounds of America. And I'm just like, <laughs> anyway. Welcome to um, camp. No, but I mean, Feel hey, sadness. it's got to be aired somehow. And if we can inject some humor in it, yeah, it's all for the better. It's got to be out there. So, um, so they identify a woman who would have been, so the kid... Uh, the mixed-race kid with the same last name, they were like, so who would have been the mother? And then they're like, uh, she's like, well, I found a woman who was listed to be 45 when the kid was 18, and they are both listed as runaways, so they could have run away together, and that may have been his mother. Um, And so then he's like, "Uh uh-huh. And what what would have happened to these runaways? And she was like, well, this was the height of the domestic slave trade. Um, and human trafficking was rife and, and it was all over. Um, if they had been caught, they could have been tortured or dismembered or sold someplace worse or yeah, nothing just good. killed or threatened to separate family members to sell you farther down south. So it, and he was like, uh-huh. What kind of what kind of woman would would do something like that with those risks? And she was like a brave woman. Yeah, um, a strong. But one. it was it was a she was like it was a horrible life. It's worth the risk. I was like, all right, Doctor Kelly it's Dietz. Yeah, go Kelly. Keep doing the good work over there in Virginia. So he goes and meets up with a librarian. And I get the sense that this was this librarian's like moment. <laughs> I love it. He was just like, finally, the joys of research will be brought to light. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Take it, baby. So, um, that's love it. It's like if I could give good information to the police, do you know how excited? Like, I just really like when people listen to me, number one, obviously, here. (laughs) I've literally created a platform to which you cannot respond to me and I will not hear it, which is ideal. Here we go. Love that. <laughs> Just the way I prefer it. Right. Everyone listen to me and my best friend who I've never gotten in an argument with, so I know it'll never happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent setup. So I love when people listen to me, number one. And then I love, so the way to get people to listen to you is to have valuable information. It's like when Michael Scott, like, finally has a piece of information everybody wants to know. And he's just like, yeah. And they're like, come on, tell it. And he's just like, I'm so excited that people want to hear what I have to say. So I would just love to just have some information that the police would find useful. And I think this librarian is also like, ugh, it's like if, like, a cop was like, to solve this case, I got to understand the history of the aristocracy. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) 
could be a dream. Yeah. <laughs> it begins in the year 988 AD. Lights up on England. <laughs> They're like, maybe like a pamphlet or something. <laughs> maybe like a quick email. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. It makes a lot more sense I if just I just explain started. No, no, no. Here we go. <laughs> so... Um, so this guy, I feel like we're kind of cut from the same cloth. And he says, um, that, so he's like, so who else would have lived on this property? This librarian guy's like, so there was a man named Stocky Robinson who owned the property. He was born in 1826. He was a plantation owner and a born Virginian. He and an enlister in the Confederacy. Oh, shit. Somebody's calling me. Mm. Jessica, I'm sorry, but I'm busy enriching people's lives. What a depressing, upsetting tale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if I can make somebody sad about slavery, then we've that's won. a good day. Yeah. Like, that's a good day, right? No, yeah, yeah. This kind of thing <laughs> yeah. needs to, especially in this day and age, needs to be talked about. So... Especially the way we were fucking educated in Southern schools and they were like, many slaves were treated better than factory workers in the New England. And we were like, yeah, fuck New England and their workers' rights. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it was terrible stuff, terrible stuff. So I think bold. we all need to be reminded every once in a while how horrible of an institution it truly was. Mm -hmm. So Enlister in the Confederacy comes uh, home from the Civil War and... Uh, his livelihood as a plantation owner was to say different. The very to the very least to say was di okay. Was different. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I was trying in a freely way to say mm. there were no more slaves, and the slaves completely sustained a plantation. So what the fuck are you supposed to do? Mm. Yeah. So he comes back and he's like, "Well, shit." So he's like, "Well, let me just buy a horribly ugly other place." So in 1870, he buys that property, haunted property. And he's pretty much plagued with horrifying luck ever since. He outlives three wives. <gasps> yes. Wow. The second one, the first one, I think, died, I think, like, right after he moved in, like a year later. Second one died. Then he married the second one's sister. Oh, what a guy. 30 years later, she died. Well, Henry VIII married the, I think, well, so I think Catherine of Aragon had you, no, I can't, we're not, this is, <laughs> that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> nothing, nothing to do with this. But I'll always try to find a way. <laughs> so, um, uh, so he marries a sister. They're married for 30 years and then she dies. And then, uh, in that time, he buries seven out of 14 children Jeez that are born. Crackers. So he outlives everybody. And he lives to a very old age at that time. A very old age at this time. He dies at 89. Holy shit. And was shit. Buried, buried on a property not far from the house. They were pickling him. Those ghosts. What? The ghosts were pickling him. So he never died. Oh. Keeping well, him. I guess that's one way to look at right it. Right vinegary. <laughs> Mmm, a nice vinegary southerner. Yum. Mm. So, that librarian has found a new reason to live. Mm. And Steve deshavi has got a better idea what's going on in this place. Oh, I love him. I just I, want to curl up with him. Yeah. He's just so sweet and just wonderful. And I'm like, oh, I bet you've seen some shit. Mm, and he knows how to tell a liar. Oh, I love it. He's amazing. Okay. Yes. So... Finally, it's time for the reveal. Mm. So they're, so we've got husband, wife, Troy and Tisha, Steve Deshavi, and Amy Allen. <laughs> she she just talks in a way that just feels painful almost. Yeah. Anyway, she's a strange lady. <laughs> she's a little weird. But I'd get coffee with her. So she oh, says yeah. they're basically all recapping to each other what's happened. There may be some repeating here, but just a little reminder. She says, 
to the couple, when I first got here, um, there were a lot of dead just walking around my car. Um, I felt a lot of sadness and despair and pain, and I got the feeling that there were a lot of people buried here. Uh, a lot of people actually have died on this property, but I'm not going to tell you anymore. I'll let you let you keep going. Right. So upstairs, I met um, two sisters from the early 1900s, and I felt sickness and death. And I would say that they would be would have been seen as a mist. Mm. Uh, Stocky Robinson had two wives. His two wives uh, were sisters, and uh, he buried seven out of 14 children. Wow. Mm, heavy stuff. Okay. So um, the one thing that became apparent was that some spirits were moving between houses, um, little boys especially, and they were like, wow, yeah. And she was like, yes, sir. Um, in the basement, there were emaciated um, black men. So in the 1830s, pre-Civil War, this place had up to 60 slaves, and the basement were where some of them were living quarters. Now, the slaves at this time were treated. I I know how they were treated. <laughs> I can take a guess. Not well? Well, she doesn't need to take a fucking guess. She was probably bombarded oh, with yeah. images while she was down there and wasn't allowed to talk about it. So she's like, I know how they were treated. And it's like, bang, bang. And then so they revealed the sketch. And the sketch artist, the sketch artist, and I love it because Steve's the first one to take it out of like the, one of those nice paper folders where there's like a wrap around and then you open it and then you, he takes it out and he goes, geez. And he, and he, I love him. I love Steve. So he puts it down on the table and it's just like a charcoal drawing of about 10 really bone thin black men laying on the ground and like a, a larger black woman in that period garb throwing water on them and then another figure nearby throwing water on them as well and then i mean basically you can't escape growing up in the south without like having some ingrained racism that you have to address at some point but uh, there was some hope in that when the couple looked at it they were just like oh it makes me sick that makes me sick good so we're like okay good human response great so that's um why were they throwing water on them he asked that and steve was like so what what's with the water they trying to keep the flies off or what and mm -hmm. amy's like i don't know i i don't know maybe so amy says now, the larger woman in the image is still down in the basement, and she hates you because you're white. And she knew when she was brought to this place that it was just a bad place. And Steve is like, well, we actually have records that uh, there was a woman who was potentially raped by the owner here and uh, had a son and was actually a runaway. And she could have been caught and, and tortured or dismembered or any of that. Um, so that, that fits with the records. And, and Amy says, this woman is extremely dangerous and powerful and has been giving you guys warnings to get out. Um, I was in extreme pain when I was down there. Um... And if you are experiencing pain, she's not doing it directly. She controls the dead here. <gasps> and the fucking faces of these this couple. Ashen. They looked gray. They were so... Huh. I mean, like, yeah. that's being, like, kicked in the chest. So the husband tells the story of the drywall falling on him. And then I thought to myself, I was like, she controls the dead. And then I was like, I wonder if she's dabbled in some voodoo, Probably. some kind of shit. And, the, and then I was like, wait, is that racist? And then Amy says, she is a hoodoo practitioner. Mm. And I was like, oh, Lord. No. Oh, no. <laughs> but also I felt good that my. Yeah, I don't think it's right. racist to think that because it was. She, she said she was powerful and she can control the dead. 
And I've never heard of anybody in yeah. the afterlife who yeah. is described that way. So, um, well, that's, so the difference between hoodoo and voodoo, as she describes it, voodoo is a religion. It's like a mix of African and Catholic um, practices together. And it's not necessarily evil. Hoodoo is a system, not a religion, and it's a system to place spells um, to gain power. It's all about power. And so in life, this woman placed spells to make sure that she would be powerful in death to be able to affect things. And that's how she controls the dead. That's why Amy couldn't talk about what she was experiencing or couldn't talk to any of the other dead people because this woman was pushing everyone out of her, like, you are not, you cannot talk to anyone because I'm the only one you need to be talking to. So nobody else could have their story told. She was just like, I say what you need to do. And Steve is like, so she's doing all this stuff. Okay, like, so what what, what, what does she want, huh? What does she want? And Amy goes, she wants the house to be demolished. And the wife, Tisha, immediately looks at her husband with the most, like, furtive, like, hmm, like, oh, it's like when you know something's going to set somebody off, some, yeah, Mm -hmm. something is going to set somebody off and you're like, here we go. And he was just like, I'm not going to tear nothing down. That's not fair to them. And then Amy says, so it's not just her who wants this. All of the spirits here want this. She has bound all the dead people who died in this place from moving on. Why? And then he says, no, it would be letting my ancestors down. And I was like, you're letting so many other people down and their ancestors down. You are letting your wife and your children and yourself down. Your ancestors probably can't are probably some of the people that can't move on because of this woman. And then you're staying in this horrible place because you've got this pig headed idea. You know, that you're going to be letting down your ancestors. You know, he might have ancestors there that are such dicks. Or maybe the ancestors of other people that had lived there before him that are trying to tie him to it and be like, don't you let them tear it down. I, I don't know. Because why I else? think his parents, because his parents probably just, I mean, I wasn't raised like this. I don't know anybody who was raised like this, but he could have been raised with his parents being like, you know, and one day, son, you're going to take over this place and you're going to make us proud. Like, you're going to do this and you're going to make us proud. Like, if you get told that enough times when you're young, you that's your outlook on life. Like, yeah. you just think that that's how things work. You can so tear it down and rebuild and make it better. We'll probably be happier because yes. we'll be ugly as shit. Yes. You can't live in it. What's the point? <sighs> You can't live in it. That's true. He can't even live in this place. It's it's You're not doing your ancestors profoundly... proud because it's not your property at this point. It belongs to them and they don't want and it. And he's just tied himself to a sinking ship of his ancestors mm-hmm. and his wife and children. Very sad. So Amy says, well, so Steve's like, so uh so if he doesn't choose to to do this, you know, what what's going to happen? And Amy's like, well, you're in for it. <sighs> like, they've already been pushed down the stairs. Yeah, they've been warned, and now they got an actual, like, a medium talk to them. And they conveyed a very clear message. Now they know that he knows exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. And he's going to use his white privilege of land ownership. <sighs> And not do anything to help anyone. <sighs> so, Steve is like, so uh, what can he do? She says, well, the easiest th- option would obviously be to demolish the house. Which you're not going to do. The other suggestion would be to get another hoodoo practitioner who wants this woman's power 
and who will take her on. Holy shit. And Steve goes, huh, you don't look in the yellow pages for something like that. Oh, Steve. (laughs) And she's like, "Um, no, I think finding a true hoodoo practitioner would be extremely difficult. And she was like, maybe go to the universities and they might know. I have no idea how you'd get a hold of a hoodoo practitioner shit. She says that all of the other spirits that have been bound to this place will be released after she will has been removed by someone who wants her power. Why would you want to live in a place, even if there aren't the ghosts, that you still will feel that history after they leave if that happens? Yeah, I would not want to live in a place where all that happened. Where slaves had been kept anyway. That's, there's no, there's no cleansing. That's not a happy home. No, absolutely not. It's like, no, I would never want to, uh, well, no. I'm, I'm no. thinking about the Lullery Mansion and in um, New Orleans yeah. where they tortured and mutilated all those slaves. And it's a gorgeous cornered, like, it is beautiful. period, man, like, it's beautiful. But if somebody handed me the keys to that today and said, it's yours, no questions asked, nothing good can no. come from a property that has been harboring such evil evil things like that place just needs to be burned down like there's no yeah when something that horrible happens yeah you can't i don't think i don't think this i don't think any vestige of what has happened there can survive Mm -hmm. i don't know though so steve's like well you're gonna you're gonna do what she suggested and tish is like oh tomorrow tomorrow I'm going to go and and see what we can do because I can't. This is um, the last draw. And so they just decide to seek out a hoodoo practitioner. And what if they don't get her powers and they just piss her off more and make her stronger? What if she takes the powers from the other person? And Amy says, obviously, I can't force anyone to do anything, but... I don't think Troy realizes the power that is up against him. And I'm worried that now he will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is the end of this episode <laughs> of Dead Files. Isn't that upsetting? <laughs> I'm so bothered. <laughs> Oh, God. My mom's really not going to like this Mm-mm. one. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank God we had the the stupid fucking shit I talked about last week. <laughs> <laughs> Go back yeah, and listen I mean, to that again. To like collect I yourself. Said, dead Files is always upsetting. It's always upsetting. There's never... And Amy sometimes talks about things... No, I've heard no other medium talk about. She talks about aliens have been brought up in another episode. She's talked about, uh, she was like, I think that both of you have been abducted. Like, she'll talk about, like, tree spirits, like, little lower level demons that are, like, fucking people up. Like, she talks Ah! about shit, and you just have to watch these family members at the table being like, what? Like, these poor, like, Catholics, and she's like, so they're just, like, really lower-level demons, and they look like this, and then the police sketch will look like a tiny little, like, creepy insect person that's, like, as tall as a tree, and they're just like, what? That's what? Like, that? What? Like, they just, like, there's no context in their belief system for, like, something like that, and they're just like, I don't know what the fuck to do with what you're telling me, and she's like... So, um, that person who lived here before set a curse on you. And they're like, what? (laughs) Curses exist now? Like, and they just have to deal with it. And she just, like, talks about this shit. Like, of course everybody believes that. Like, of course there are, like, tree spirits and earth spirits and elementals and all this stuff. And they're fucking with you. The nonsense. What an episode. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) We got into some dark shit. Not only was it a very upsetting episode, just period, it feels very hopeless, but also, gosh, just like exposing the wound of of slavery is also a very upsetting thing just in its own right, like not even considering the afterlife implications. Like, 
So this episode was a lot. I feel Probably like should have issued some sort of trigger I warning. I need to go eat a cupcake or do something <laughs> like super cutesy and sweet. I need to go bathe in some glitter or something. Yeah. Something. Need some lightness. I don't know if cutesiness will. Yeah, some lightness. Something yeah. to distract me. <laughs> go play with a baby or something. Oh, God, no. no yeah. No. <laughs> They're the worst. Anyway, this is our episode of uh, sorry. Scary Stories from Camp Roanoke. I'm so sorry. It was great, though. No, I'm not. No, it was a good time. Um, it needed to. We... Yeah. Gotta air that shit. Mm-hmm. We gotta air it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you liked what you heard and you want to tell us more, give us a review and a subscription. Uh, a rating also would be fantastic. Five stars, please. Uh, we are on Instagram and facebook and if you have your own scary story please email it to us at letters to camp at gmail.com um we have merch at redbubble.com you can get yourself a tote and um if there's anything you guys want us to hear talk about here let us know there's like a spooky Mm -hmm. story you love tell us and we'll Mm. talk about it yeah so that's it i'm I hope I I feel some confidence that you'll have a spooky night. Yeah, filled with restless dreams of haunted things. Sorry. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>